Welcome to Down Ticket, a podcast about the political campaigns, candidates, and movements usually left out of the national media. Each week we bring you a different story from around the country to get a break from the white noise of D.C. and focus on our communities. Now hopefully it helps show anyone who listens to this program that you can have a hand in a new political future for you and your neighbors. Um, There's a lot of ways to get involved and it's just a matter of getting plugged in. Before the interview, I want to take a second and highlight something happening right now that I think deserves all of our attention, because Arizona teachers are scheduled to walk out uh, on Thursday, April 26th, and you may have seen some of this online under the hashtag RedForEd, or through some of the unsurprisingly few larger media stories covering other teacher walkouts and wildcat strikes in West Virginia and Kentucky or Oklahoma. The walkouts are in protest of the paltry wages and poor classroom conditions Arizona teachers, staff, and students experience every single day. I mean, almost 80% of about 57,000 teachers voted to walk out because when you take inflation into account, they have gotten a pay decrease over the past 10 years. The teachers are asking for, and these schools absolutely unequivocally need, uh, a 20% raise in wages for the next year, raises for support staff, and decent per-pupil funding for their schools. Doug Ducey, instead of creating the environment necessary to improve his state schools, is interested in allocating funds for, and I quote one of his campaign ads here, quote, fencing, guardsmen, more police and prosecutors, end quote, to harass immigrant communities. I mean, the teachers are already experiencing the amount of opposition I guess one would expect from this kind of direct action, and their right-wing smear campaign is only getting started. The chair of the Arizona Republican Party, the governor, conservative bloggers, and pundits are all trying to get in their hits, uh, chastising teachers for, heaven forbid, getting involved in politics. And for these teachers, I imagine that's an attempt to create the working conditions necessary for them to, you know, eat and uh, feed their children and families by engaging in electoral work and supporting aspiring community leaders and politicians who are working to fix a horribly corrupt and broken system. Again, heaven forbid. They want to drive legitimacy away from uh, this movement and further their agenda of austerity, supporting teachers when it's politically expedient and under some really weird and bizarre notion that not only teachers but their families must sacrifice their financial well-being and physical and mental health in order to appease some weird political fantasy that teachers, like so many other workers, deserve to be poor and deserve to struggle just so slash and burn politicians can go home at the end of the day and say they cut something. I mean, they slap that into a press release and look like a hero to their self satisfied and self-serving wealthy elite base and continue in perpetuity to legislatively carpet bomb our communities into dust. I mean, people in power don't care about teachers. They just want to martyr them to the furtherance of their own odious political agendas. It's absolutely sickening. And so here's the plain and simple. Teachers don't get a fair shake and it hurts students as it usually does, ultimately places the burden on low-income communities, communities of color, and people pushed to the margins of society by virtue of their humanity or where they live or the color of their skin. Politicians, they redline public schools, they tie their existence to high-stakes testing, they underfund those same schools, and then shrug their stupid shoulders as they padlock the doors and drop thousands of municipal dollars on private charters. I mean, this worship of austerity and privatization is... To be quite frank, it's beyond excessive, it's calculated cruelty, it's wholly and fully unnecessary, and I, for one, 
stand in absolute solidarity with these workers, these teachers, fighting for a decent wage and a more effective, safer, and healthier environment for their students? I mean, come on. Legitimizing their existence to a bunch of stuffy politicians so far removed from the day-to-day -day reality of a classroom? I mean, they might as well be on another planet. I'm livid over a lot of this, and if you're not right there with me, I'm afraid you aren't paying close enough attention to this. I think we should all collectively agree to bust our asses when it's our state's turn and to support the striking teachers in any way we can. Hashtag Red for Ed. Solidarity. Now, if you want higher wages, let me tell you what to do. You got to talk to the workers in the shop with you. You got to build you a union. Got to make it strong. But if you all stick together, boys, it won't be long. You get shorter hours. Better working conditions. Vacations with pay. Take your kids to the seashore. It ain't quite this simple, so I better explain just why you got to ride on the union train. Cause if you wait for the boss to raise your pay, we'll all be awaiting till judgment day. We'll all be buried. Gone to heaven. My guest today is Matthew Marquez. Matt is an organizer running for the Arizona State Senate in Legislative District 20. This district is in the north part of Phoenix, northeast of Peoria. I appreciate a lot of what Matt has to say. I think he's using his organizing experience to develop his candidacy and platform in an interesting way. And it was really cool talking to him. So check out his website at marquez4az.com. And follow the podcast on Twitter at DownTicket and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash downticketpodcast. I'm also on Twitter at Kyle S. Kern, K-E-R-N. So please come say hi. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. giving leadership to, you know, just kind of the traditional organizing model where you, you're building leaders upon leaders and kind of that exponential growth within, um, within the campaign. And so I'm just running my campaign like a, an organizer, like any kind of traditional organizing would be. So that's, you know, and so even myself, even like my campaign manager, my comms director, um, comms manager and field person, like it's all expected of staff. Like we all can, like no matter what, we're knocking doors. <laughs> like yeah. myself included. Like nobody's good enough to not knock doors. Yeah. So everybody's expected to knock doors. We all have our own individual goals when it comes to knocking doors um, and making phone calls. And so, um, and so that's kind of what I do. Just being an organizer within my own campaign. I don't think you know that ever goes away. Once you're an organizer, you kind of it's a, it's a really good model to use yeah. for for really anything, even if in the professional world. So it's what my campaign is modeled around is just kind of the the snowflake model and the organizing model. Yeah, I mean it helps people when if people are involved in campaigns and they want to move up. It's so hard to you know sometimes get the direct experience you need for the job uh -huh. that you want, and you just have to kind of learn by doing. And it's such a, like a it's just a really good model for anything. I I really I completely agree. Yeah. Um, policy platform. If you, you, what what specifics are you focusing on in terms of you know policy? Yeah. So um, my platform is kind of based around three things, and they're built around just by actually talking to people and talking about what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And so, first and foremost, it's education. You know, reinvesting back in our public education system, and it's not just K twelve. It's also community colleges and at the university level. Mm -hmm. um, second is um, making our healthcare system more affordable and accessible for everyone. Um, and then lastly is making our economy more equitable for everyone. So that's kind of the platform that I stand on. Um, and then obviously a, a slew of other, you know, of other, of other very uh, progressive ideology that I have. 
Um, but that'll take all day to talk about. But yeah, that's pretty much my platform and, and it reverberates really well with kind of the diverse district that, that I'm in. So we have a you know, very affluent yeah. side to our district and kind of your average, you know, yeah. blue collar type district area of the district, which I live in. So yeah. Sort of talk about the makeup of where you live and mm-hmm. what it's like. I think it'll, you know, sort of bring it home for a lot of people. I want people to understand more about other parts of the country because it's, yeah. it's fun to learn, you know? Right. Yeah. So like Arizona, just as a whole, we have a very high um, rate of people who are registered as independents. And so the oh. district reflects that. That's, you know, it's kind of split three ways pretty equally amongst uh, Dems, uh, Republicans and independents. Yeah. Um, and so our district is split by a major interstate. Um, we have the east side of the district, which is um, kind of the more affluent as country club in it and just more affluent side of the district. And then mm-hmm. we got the the west side of the of the interstate, which is, encompasses not just Phoenix, but another city, Glendale. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of a, it's diverse in that sense and also in age as well. Um, kind of like with a lot of the the voting base, it's 65 and older, you know, white that traditionally vote. So that's very much the who vote in our district as well. Um, but we're trying to encourage other people to vote um, outside of that. Because um, there are a lot of, you know, I'm Latino myself, so there are a lot of Latinos that live in the district. Um, this population of about 250,000 in the district, um, about half are actually registered to vote. And 25% of those people are Latino. The rest yeah. are, you know, majority, you know, white. And then a few percentage are um, African-American. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's more, and that's kind of Arizona as a whole, our our population anyway. So we kind of reflect the state very well. But also there are a lot of, you know, liberal Democrats that live in the district right next door to a very conservative Republican. So it's a very unique district. And there are a lot of homes that are also split households where like the wife or the husband or son or daughter will be very liberal Democrats and spouse or parents or grandparents are very conservative Republicans. So it's a very interesting, you know, dichotomy to see. And then even with the platform that I have, there are people that kind of agree with, with what I'm talking about. There's just Mm -hmm. some other things more like pro-life or choice and things like that, that they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, because who doesn't want better schools and cheaper healthcare and, you know, a better economy for everybody. So it kind of resonates really well, especially in our district where we have a lot of teachers that live in the district. And so there's that big push, the red for ed and just kind of what's happening with the education system nationally. And then even more so here in Arizona, because we're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to pretty much anything K-12. So, so yeah, so it's just having those, that's kind of the makeup of the district, and it's just having those real conversations with people. That the plat where I built my platform on, it was just by talking to people, you know. And even though the the district is diverse and kind of leans a little bit more on on the right side, still an opportunity for growth for Democrats and just you know being a representative of the community. Okay, I mean, I'm from Florida, so there's of course some similarities in terms I, of Latino populations in terms of like sort of overall diversity as well as like overall income inequality. People in Florida mm-hmm. are also very, very rich and there's a lot of very, very poor people too. Uh-huh. But there's also a big gap in age 
And a lot of people, when they get involved in politics, don't realize that a lot of your time is spent talking to people over the age of 65. Yeah. Um, and it's one, and it's 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 kind of great because it it's it starts to introduce ideas in your mind about how we can appeal to a broad, diverse uh, uh-huh. group of people in terms of age as well. So right. do, you guys, do you have any thoughts on sort of appealing to both young and older populations at the same time and how, like, policy can relate to that? Yeah, so I think uh, for me, I've just kind of stayed true to myself and who I am and my platform and, and yeah. my own beliefs um, and not kind of wavering on that. Yeah. But when I have a conversation with someone about education, if they're young and I say, okay, I'm not just focused on K-12 because I'm still paying off my student debt, right? It's Right. They they relate to that. Or if I talk to somebody who's older, may not necessarily have kids in the K twelve system, but they have grandkids, yeah. or they're they're tired of, you know, of just what they hear on the news, or they they were educators themselves, or their their kids are educators, right? Sure. So there's that, and then and then with the healthcare system, it's you know people are worried, especially you know the retired population, worried about their fixed income and Medicare disappearing and Medicare getting more expensive, just yeah. everything getting more expensive, and they're not able to afford their their healthcare. And yeah. same thing with you know with people who are younger who may not necessarily have a job with affordable healthcare, mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah, I want healthcare to be accessible and affordable for everyone and so that people interpret what they want to interpret so i'm going to stay true to what i can say and there's not much i can do for like you know the universal health care system and kind of medicare for all that's not really me even though i i agree with it i can't do much because i'm a local legislator but there are things we can do here locally to you know help push that envelope in the sense of making healthcare a little bit more accessible and affordable for everyone and then lastly you know economic equality that's again that kind of you know 15 isn't fair across all states. You know, there was a recent study that came out that said in Arizona, $15 is still not a, a fair livable wage. That it needs to be a couple dollars higher. So, so it's always about fighting for that that equality. You know, not just for pay, but tax equality and just equality for everyone. The reason I built that platform or that I stand on that platform is because I was talking to people and asking them what really matters. And I still do that now. I just want to be a megaphone for the community. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it resonates. I think if people just stay true themselves, build their, their platform based on what the, the community thinks is important or feels that's important to them. And then you can still kind of figure out how you can make it your own and stay true to your own values. Um, whether you're a moderate, a liberal, whatever you want to call yourself. Right. Um, you can stay true to your own values and as long as you build a platform based around the community. So it really does take, you know, getting out there and knocking on doors, pounding the pavement, getting on the phone and talking to people, not really worrying about events or, you know, doing things and being seen at places. It's about being seen in front of the people that sh- that you might represent. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the advice that I would have is just, you know, build your platform around, the community by talking to people and figuring out what they think is important and they feel is important most to them and then figure out how you can make it your own and then hold, stay true to your values. So um, in terms of your, in terms of your race, if people are in people in your community, whatever, they want to get involved, they're pissed off, they're mad about national politics or whatever. How do they get involved locally? Uh, first and foremost is just, it depends on kind of what level. If they want to get involved with campaigns, find a candidate that you support, call them, reach out to them. At least me, I try to be as accessible as, as I can and responsive and just kind of accepting of everyone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get involved kind of in your local political party, whether it's your legislative district or whatever, to show up, show up to a meeting, you know, introduce yourself. It's as easy as that. It just takes people showing up. Um, and then just getting involved. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have any political experience. As long as you care about what's happening and you're pissed off, um, show up, volunteer, register people to vote. You can talk to your neighbors about stuff, ask if they're registered to vote, um, and register them to vote. So there are a lot of things that you can do outside of like being involved in, in, uh, in a campaign to do things that are, you know, po- political, I guess. So, you know, show up, march. Um, it takes more than just typing on a keyboard. Um, you have to you have to sometimes pound the pavement and and do some of the work that a lot of people don't like doing um, to make a change. But yeah, so I think just showing up is first and foremost. Um, just getting involved and finding people in your neighborhood that care about the same things that you care about. You know, do a house party and invite your neighbors and just have drinks and and food and just talk about the issues that matter and figure out the next steps are you know you can build your own kind of community model by doing that there's like there's so many opportunities it's it's you know i, I think that's all very true there's so many opportunities too outside of campaign politics um, yeah. that sort of like intersect like that are on oftentimes the periphery of those things but can even more so be more directly plugged into our communities mm-hmm. and like like a, i like I, I always love plugging this organization but they're just a really good example there's a group over here called organized florida that okay. is, they're basically a member-based nonprofit, you know, low-income, um, that sort of do sort of door-by-door community organizing, create leadership within the community to hold a government accountable and do direct action for anything yeah. from climate justice, reproductive ju- justice, racial justice. They do a lot of affordable housing stuff, which is really, really important, especially around here yeah. with Disney, you know, taking a sh- all over everybody. <laughs> right. I could, I could rephrase that with, with the Disney. <laughs> I agree, though. It's okay. But, uh, but yeah, like vo- voting rights and workers' rights and health care and just in mm-hmm. general, like, it's a good organization for people oh. around here. It's, uh, it's, it's really a nice opportunity for people outside of campaigns to get involved in. Oh. And it, these become resources that candidates hopefully want. Uh, eventually, like that's the perk of building all of these organizations that are outside of the Democratic Party is because right. the goal is eventually to get the Democratic Party to face toward what we are doing at the community level and say, oh, we should be doing, we should follow lockstep behind that as opposed right. to, you know, sort of formulating our own agenda. It's just kind of bottom, top down, bottom up, very simple. Right? right. Exactly. Yeah. The grassroots model, right? And I think the a lot of party systems only talk to their voters every cycle, election cycle and yeah. kind of miss the opportunity to just have that continual conversation year in and year out. Um, you know, you spoke to it where, you know, in Maine, they're kind of doing that a little better. And we have, we're having those conversations here as well about like, especially within underserved communities, you know, yeah. how do we communicate with them, you know, and make it not feel like we're just pandering to them every two years or every four years. You know, it's actually going out there and doing it day in and day out, year after year, whether it's uh, election cycle or not, and just saying, like, hey, look, we're here not just because we need your vote, but because we care about the community, because we're from that community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, how I was able to get one of my, you know, my staffers was literally by not canvassing and knocking on her door and she lives in the district and she really cares about, you know, community gardening. And there, there are a lot, there are a lot of vacant spaces here in, in our mm-hmm. district. Mm-hmm. And so she spoke to how can we turn 
the vacant lot down the street from my house into a community garden. And so we had a conversation and now she's involved and, you know, she was canvassing with us earlier. So, so it's, you know, how, teaching her how to organize and she's going to be able to have this infrastructure of how to like organize in her own neighborhood to talk about how do we build a community garden. And that has nothing to do with, with politics. It just has something to do with the community and what matters. And I think that speaks to, you know, the organization that you were talking about. They're really focused on issues that matter to the community. Yeah. And I think that's how people can get involved as well as find an issue that's important to you. You don't have to try to fix all the issues because there are people that, you know, are working on all the issues. Um, you know, focus on one and, and pick it up and go find an organization or organize your own community and find the people that are like-minded and do something about it. It's as easy as that, right, to get involved. Oh, yeah, or it's find as a easy candidate as... That, that thinks the same thing and get involved with the campaign if campaigns is where you want to go. It's as easy as, like, opening – if you have a place to live and you have a living room, it's as easy as opening it up to five people and then mm-hmm. just just sitting down and talking and saying, okay, what can we do? Because – a bunch of us knuckleheads over and over and over again on campaigns, political campaigns have gotten into rooms and knocked our heads together a couple of times and come out with some really great stuff. And imagine what people who actually live in their community who are invested and plugged in can do if they are all, you know, if we're just in the same place talking to each other, that's really the first step. The point of all this stuff, right? Like, like that we we put ourselves through hell in order to make sure that we have the means to continue talking to each other because it's you know where there's so there's so much you know purposeful and you know i guess implicit and explicit division in the way that our communities are are have were created i mean mm-hmm. i mean practically i mean just there there communities of color are in a lot of places in places like Florida and in urban communities are sequestered into certain parts of big, large political districts. And, you know, and it's a lot of that was like redlining or that kind of a thing. And that's going to, you know, kind of digging into the weeds a little bit. But at the same time, all of this affects the way that we can talk to each other. And we just have to get around these hurdles because there's so many of them. And so I just, you know, I just think it's the way to start doing that. I've experienced it. I got plugged into politics through campaign politics, but learned that the real important stuff that's happening is happening every day uh, in people's lives, you know, as they talk to each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of that happening, I think, in every state, especially after, you know, you know who got elected. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of people that are pissed off and don't know where to put the energy, and I think the energy can be, if it's a campaign, get involved in your your local campaign, you know, knock on doors, make phone calls if you're not comfortable with that. There's always help that needs to be done. I don't think any candidate will ever say no to a volunteer. I definitely, no, I will never say no to a volunteer, right? Like, whether you're, you know, cleaning the office or doing data entry or just, you know, feeding everybody, just being that support, supportive um, role, there's always a place for you in a campaign to volunteer if you want to get involved. If every role is important, not just build, it takes everybody to kind of work together to accomplish that singular singular goal of getting someone elected that everybody is behind and they promise they'll make that change, right? And then it's holding that person accountable because that's what I tell everyone that I talk to and especially my staff and volunteers that, that work with me every day is hold me accountable. If there's something I say you don't like, bring it up, right? All our voices are equal. My voice is no greater than anyone else's. Um, I'm just the person that's 
my face is on the card and my name is on the ballot, right? That's the only difference between a volunteer and myself. Could could you imagine saying no to a volunteer? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Especially coming from the organizing world, it's like, no, you, you never say no. Right? Absolutely we'll not. Everyone has a job. Out, yeah. We'll figure out something for you to do. And so, um, so yeah, so for those of you that are pissed off or mad or still irritated with what's going on, whether it's local or national politics, get involved locally, um, no matter what kind of race it is. So that's really where it affects you is your local politics and your local policy will affect you day in and day out. Um, it's just unfortunate that a lot of what makes national news is what's happening, the circus over in DC, um, just kind of what's happening over there. But there's a lot of positive things you can do within your own community when you get involved in campaign politics. It's literally the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was um, born and raised here in Phoenix, um, raised by a single mother for majority of my life. Um, and she always pushed the importance of education um, and how education is that great equalizer amongst everyone. And so, you know, seeing her, she was a type of, of woman that would work multiple jobs and not, you know, try to rely on, on help from the system. Um, and so, you know, I saw that struggle early on and as I was going through high school volunteering, I started working with a company who worked with kids and families with disabilities. And then that kind of just turned into working with a nonprofit that did the same type of work. And that was through college, all through college. And even after, for almost 10 years, I did that, that type of work. And so I saw a lot of kind of that people falling through the cracks and a very vulnerable population falling through the cracks. And so that brought me back, you know, to seeing my mom and the, a lot of those parents that I saw trying to advocate for them. And so that's what turned me into getting involved more in, in politics was trying to get good people elected that could change local policy to make it easier for families to get services they needed or um, to actually just have the ability to advocate for themselves. After I started getting involved, I learned really quickly how hard it is to change, you know, your, your policy in, in a very short amount of time. And so after organizing in 2016 with the, the state party here in Arizona, um, I still wasn't seeing the changes that I that I wanted to see. Still wasn't hearing kind of the issues that I wanted to hear in my own community. And so I decided to be that person to stand up and and fight and not be the career politician, but be that young brown guy running for office that's just going to stand up and fight for what what I believe is right and what the community believes is right because they're standing behind me. Thanks to Matthew Marquez for chatting with me. A quick thanks to Mark Peckham for setting it all up. Uh, again, check out Matthew's website at marquez4az.com and just take a look at his campaign. And as always, we are on Twitter at DownTicket, Facebook at facebook.com slash downticketpodcast, and back soon with another chat. I am also on Twitter at Kyle S. Kern, K-E-R-N, so stop by, uh, let me know what you think, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Solidarity.